Father, we do welcome you here in our midst today. We are grateful that your Holy Spirit is powerful and um, he comforts us. He brings us wisdom for the day, for each day of our lives. And so, Father, as we come together as a church body this morning to worship you, to praise you, to um, seek your face and, and to be taught more about you through pastor's insight. Father, for those things, we are all grateful that we have this wonderful opportunity. We pray that you would cause us to have ears that are wide open and eyes to see your ways. And then, Lord, as we are here and we think about Donna and Chris and Tom, who have become part of our family here, and the suffering that they are going through today. We ask your great comfort to be there. Lord, Freddie is in your hands. He's always been in your hands, and he has been a tool to teach compassion and love and so many other things. And now, Father, free him that he might have all of the things that you want to give him, his arms, his legs, his... Uh, may he jump up and down at the throne of of uh, the living God this day. And may you comfort Marnie and Tammy as they open their hands and let him go. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
You know, I just so love it when all things come together. Um, This morning's devotion is perfect peace. And that is our prayer for that family today and for each one of us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Romans 15, 13. I know that the modern living taxes the faith of the strongest Christians, but none of us should doubt the ability of God to give us grace sufficient for our trials, even amidst the stressors of this century. We Christians are to trust that God is still on the throne. Amen. He is a sovereign God, Amen. working out things according to his own plan. Such sections in a British railroad, um, they found a bird's nest under the rail, and a hen was peacefully sitting on her eggs, undisturbed by the roar of the fast trains above and around her. What a picture of perfect peace and trust. The Bible says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Believe me, God's grace is more than adequate for these times. Even as we get older, we are learning day by day to keep our minds centered on Christ. When we do, the worries and the anxieties and the concerns of the world pass away, and nothing but perfect peace is left in the human heart. And the hope for today, when God fills a heart, It occupies every single part of it with the fruit of his spirit. His perfect peace leaves no room for fear in the heart of the believer. Amen. Make a joyful shout to the Lord in all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. 
the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord strikes with flesh flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. from Colossians 1, 9 through 13. Make sure I get this right. So ever since we heard about you, we have kept on praying and asking God to help you understand what he wants you to do, asking him to make you wise about spiritual things and asking that the way you live will always please the Lord and honor him so that you will always be doing good kind things for others while all the time you are learning to know God better and better. We are praying too that you will be filled with his mighty glorious strength 
so that you can keep going no matter what happens, always full of the joy of the Lord, and always thankful to the Father who has made us fit to share all the wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Thanks be to God. Join me in prayer, if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day and for this opportunity to come before you to pray, to pray for the needs of this church, those listed on our prayer page, and for unspoken requests. May your will be done in each circumstance. We pray for your wisdom and forgiveness of our sins. I thank you and praise you, Father God, and I ask all of this in your Son's holy, magnificent name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. If you look at the front of your bulletin, you see the scripture there, Psalm 139. Guess what I'm going to read? Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. A wonderful psalm expressing God's care and concern and presence in each of us. Would you like to stand with me while we recite the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
says that God's word will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent his word and healed us. And God's word and his name are more powerful than cancer, heart disease, or any disease that you could name. And no one listening to me would doubt that if Jesus walked into the room and touched you, that you would be healed. The same power is in his word. So we're going to put his word on our lips and sing it back to him. And as we do, let his word touch you. Say be it unto me according to your word. So let his healing come as we sing. You are the God that healeth me. Sing it together. Yes, you are. 
healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, touch your people. I pray, drive out all sickness, all disease. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. Lord, I give you praise. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today's Gospel reading today comes from Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it off. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded his instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Will you join me now in a responsive reading? Wake us up, living God, to the joy and wonder that is all around us. Open our eyes to the beauty of the world in which we live. Open our hearts to the love that exists in our relationship. Open our minds to the truth you have to share with us. Lead us out of the darkness of the routine and enable us to see the light of life. This is our prayer through the one who came to show us the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have entrusted so much to us. We as men, we're so imperfect. The women will contest to that. Confe not contest confirm but we we will 
we are such imperfect beings, yet you love us. You share with us. You give us your word. You give us other things that we may be the servants to hold on to them. We should make them grow. We should share them with others. So, Lord, the gifts we give today, may they use, be used to further your kingdom, to bring your word to others who have not had the joy of coming to know you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Good morning. Horatio G. Spafford that wrote that song was a fellow Presbyterian from Chicago. And most would consider him a modern day Job because he trusted God in his prosperity and his tragedy. Spafford was a very successful lawyer and had wisely invested his money in real estate in Chicago. But in 1871, his fortunes turned. That year, Spafford lost his only son to scarlet fever. And the great Chicago fire destroyed almost all of his real estate holdings. Even so, he helped those who were sick and homeless as a result of the fire. Less than two years later, Spafford arranged for an extended family trip to Europe for his family, thinking it would do wonders for his wife's health. But just prior to he and his family boarding the French luxury ship, the SS Ville du Havre in New York, Spafford received an unexpected message begging him to return to Chicago and consummate a very important business deal. So he sent his family on ahead to Europe, intending to join them in very short order. But on Saturday, November 22nd of 1872, at 2 a.m. in the morning, the Ville du Havre collided with the Irish merchant ship Loch Aaron, and the Ville du Havre sank in less than 12 minutes. Spafford's wife, Anna, was found unconscious floating on a wooden plank. And all four of the Spafford daughters, aged 11, 9, 5, and 2, were lost. Anna Spafford's only memory of the wreck was holding tightly to her two-year-old, Tanetta, only to have her child wrenched from her arms by the violence of the waves. Anna's telegram to her husband read simply, Saved alone, what shall I do? Spafford set sail immediately to retrieve his wife from Cardiff in Wales. 
and on the return trip to New York, the captain of the ship pointed out to Spafford the exact location where the Ville du Havre sank. And Spafford began to pen the poem that became the hymn. It is well with my soul. I don't know about you, but that song has uh, seen me through some tough times. I want to talk to you this morning about trauma. I want to talk to you about grief and great loss. This morning, if you're in the valley of despair or have been there recently, I want to offer you a way out. I want to give you some pointers on how to survive the dark night of the soul. And make no mistake about it, we've all been through the dark night of the soul. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your grace is all sufficient. Help us comprehend just how sufficient it is. It is ample. We don't understand the word ample. It's changed its meaning over the past 200 years. We think ample is just enough, and in fact, we go to the dictionary, and ample means more than enough. We thank you for your great grace. And we thank you by that grace you will speak to us this morning through your Holy Spirit. You will make the ink come off the page of our Bibles and come alive in our hearts and lives. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. My sermon title this morning is Out of the Darkness. The text is Philippians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1. You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's a quote from Corey Ten Boom. You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. If you know her story, then you know that quote sums up her life of great faith, even in the face of horrific personal tragedy. Show us slide one, please. I've been going to the gym with friends for the past couple of months. And uh, four of us have hired a personal trainer. She's very good. She can keep all four of us busy at the same time. Some of you have seen me wear this t-shirt. Well, I have a black t-shirt and it says, do not give in, there it is, to the war within. End veteran suicide. I've worn this to the gym a couple of times, and both times our personal trainer has commented to me, I really like that shirt. 
Last week, the two of us were the last to leave the gym, and she pulled me aside and she said, you know, my husband committed suicide five years ago. She continued, he was a leader in our church, and when he died, our church basically shunned me and my kids. They told us not to talk about it. They would not acknowledge our pain. There are churches that have no right to call themselves the body of Christ. But she said emphatically, suicide is really a spiritual battle. She said, I see that now, I see it clearly. And as she continued her story, I deduced that just days before her husband's death, he was in a euphoric state of mind. He seemed to be at peace, and therefore she was totally blindsided by his death. But it's not unusual for suicide victims to gain a sense of contentment when they finally resolve to put an end to their life. But she said since their father's death, her kids had each struggled with a plethora of emotions, everything from rage to the entire gamut of grief and bewilderment. And I offered what I offer anyone who was struggling with this tragedy. I said, remember this. Christians cannot die in their sins. God's grace covers every sin, even this. And she agreed. And I then told her, I said, do you know what Rick Warren said when his son committed suicide? I told her a news reporter had the audacity to ask Rick Warren, what did you learn from your son's suicide? His answer was golden. He said, I've learned that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there cannot be shadows without light. If your God can't help you through tragedy, and you have a puny God. You need to trade up to the real God. I have another t-shirt I wear. It has the number 22 in 12-inch letters. And beneath it, it says, 22 veterans a day take their own lives. That's, that is still true today. Very few people have a clue what PTSD is all about. And very few Christians have an answer for suicide. I bumped into several PTSD vets while working at Davis Monthan a couple of years ago. I was able to help some, but uh, some are still on active duty. And that's a horrific thought, to be on active duty and suffering from PTSD, but with no one to talk to because if their commanding officer were to find out, they would be put into medical protocol and relieved of their job. I talked to some of the chaplains at the base and they confirmed that this was a very real problem. And even though federal law 
protects the confidentiality between a chaplain and anything a service member tells them, still these airmen fear reprisal. But God started moving me toward a ministry and PTSD uh, 20 years ago. I didn't realize it then, but uh, that's exactly what he was doing. At the time, I was building out mall stores for a uh, prestigious retailer. And uh, one night, one of my contractors asked me to dinner. And at the, after the supper, he told me of his near-death experience in Vietnam. He was a Navy SEAL. And SEALs don't confide in anyone but other SEALs. But this was a God thing. They never confide in anyone who's not been in combat. But still, he told me his story. And I got the impression that this story was one he'd never told anyone else. He said he was in a firefight in the jungle during the war and an enemy soldier came running out of the brush, gun blazing, and the last thing he remembered was being hit and returning fire. When he gained, regained consciousness and triage, the medics told him that when they found him, there was a dead enemy soldier resting on top of his body, and that was the only thing that kept him from bleeding to death. I told him, God spared your life, and now you need to figure out why. I said, I dare you to ask him. 25 years later, I wish I could have said more, but I learned that listening to his story is the best thing I could have done for him at that time. In the years since, I've learned that it is imperative for anyone suffering from PTSD to be able to tell their story. They have to be able to hear with their own ears, from their own mouth, what has happened to them. They have to be able to verbalize it, how it affected them. And those who refuse never heal. And they continue on a downward spiral. Being able to verbalize their trauma is where the healing begins. But many will never reach this milestone without the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The human body can survive virtually any physical wounding with varying degrees of disability, but the wounding of the soul, the wounding of the mind, can only be healed by the grace of God. Psychoanalysis is like putting a Band-Aid on arterial bleeding. It only treats the symptoms but offers no cure. A person with PTSD has to understand that they are broken, very broken, before they can begin to heal. But true recovery only comes through the hands of Jesus Christ. If you've ever wondered what makes a person get involved with counseling PTSD vets, well, here's my story. My junior year in high school was 1968. In the middle of the school year, we were instructed to attend a general assembly where the principal announced to us that a graduate from Abilene High School had been killed in Vietnam. 
faculty paid him homage. But this shook me. So I began to watch the evening news, and I soon learned that 500 of America's best young men were being lost each week. The war got even closer when a friend I had known since junior high school told me about his brother. He said, my brother's come home from Vietnam. My friend Sammy said his big brother was completely changed. He said, I don't know who he is. He said, every evening after dinner, my brother would walk across the street to the park and sit in one of the swings all night into the early hours of the morning, just staring at the ground. Later that year, I was in a Wednesday night prayer meeting and an older gentleman named Dewey Niedecken stood up with tears in his eyes and he asked the congregation to pray for his son Gary in Vietnam. Several weeks later, Gary returned, or no, Gary sent a phone call to his folks and he told them that he was caught up in the Tet Offensive that night. And Gary's entire company was wiped out, except he and a friend. And he carried that wounded friend back to safety. The next year when Gary returned home from the war, he was accompanying his mother to the grocery store. And at this time, the automatic doors at the grocery stores were actuated by a pressure-sensitive pad that when you stepped on it, it actuated a hydraulic opener. But this hydraulic opener was very worn, and it made a screeching sound. And when Gary heard that sound, he hit the ground, covered his head, and remained in a fetal position until his mother could get him back to the car. You come home from the war, but the war comes home with you. You can't escape it. By the year 2000, God was giving me encounter after encounter with vets from the Vietnam War. And then followed the Gulf War. And then my next door neighbor was called up and served three tours in Iraq and four in Afghanistan. I said a prayer over him every time he deployed. I prayed over him every time he came home on leave. I made a pledge to him that I'd watch over his wife and kids while he was fighting. In 2013, I had moved from Dallas to uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. I was very involved in that church, and I started a veterans outreach through our church. And I was introduced to an Army major who had suffered PTSD in Afghanistan, and he had developed a modality for the treatment of PTSD, which the VA should use, but they refuse to. It's far better than anything they're doing. But the Veterans Administration is too arrogant to use any modality that's not developed by a Washington bureaucrat. You can sense my <clears throat> disgust. I've never talked to a vet who told me that the VA had ever done anything for them other than get them hooked on drugs. 
Recently, I was part of a consortium of ministers here in Tucson, and we volunteered to work with PTSD vets at the VA hospital. We were summarily told, no way. They said, unless you uh, have a degree in psychiatry, there's no way you talk to our veterans. You can, even then, you could only observe. You can't say a word. But two weeks later, they called and said, we've got a couple of vets here who are asking the God question. Can you help us out? I said, absolutely. I have one vet that I've worked with for eight years. PTSD, barring the miraculous, is incurable. But like many mental disorders, it can be managed. And no one can help manage and heal this disorder like Jesus Christ. I've had civilians come to me and ask, for, ask me to uh, help them with their PTSD, and I will listen to their story. But I tell them if you can hold a conscious thought for more than five minutes, you don't have PTSD. You may very well have trauma but you do not have PTSD. Severe PTSD is like being lobotomized. Your entire frontal cortex shuts down and your entire existence is governed by this thumb-like sized control center in the middle of your brain called the hypothalamus. Eating, drinking, sleeping, sex, only the basic human drives and functions are maintained. You live your life. Your whole brain is operated by a unit this size, the hypothalamus. And I, I counsel a lot of PTSD vets' spouses. And I tell them there's a reason why your husband looks the other way and is totally disinterested in anything you have to say that won't happen in the next 15 minutes. I said, there's a reason that severe PTSD vets, they relate best to five-year-olds and dogs. I said, guess why? Ask a five-year-old, would you like to go to McDonald's tomorrow? A five-year-old was, no, oh, let's go to, no, Donald's today, now, now. I tell them, if your husband can hold down a job, any job, a menial job, he's in better shape than most. You might ask, well, what scriptures do you give PTSD vets? We read it this morning. Slide two. Psalm 139. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning and dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. 
I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Most psychiatrists try to tell PTSD vets that their problem is they're stuck in the past. Their focus is on the past. But if you talk to any PTSD vet, he will tell you he's the most presently focused person in the room. If you know any veterans who have seen combat, and they go into a restaurant, they will not sit with their back against the door. They will sit at the closest exit. I treated PTSD vet in Bismarck, his name was Donovan. And his job was the turret gunner on a Bradley. And he led the expeditions through the cities. And he was always looking up at the rooftops. And the first one to take a hit on a Bradley would be the turret gunner, because he had the machine gun. I went to visit Donovan one day, and um, he had a one-bedroom apartment. He had one chair and a very small table and no bed. If he could sleep, he slept on his rucksack. And most of the night, he said, I sleep with my back in the corner with my 9 millimeter across my chest. And he said, I hate weekends. Because people coming home late at night and slamming their car doors, I'm up. And I'm trying to calm myself down. Psalm 27. Slide three, please. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He protects me from danger. Whom shall I fear? When evil men come to destroy me, they will stumble and fall. Yes, though a mighty army marches against me, my heart shall know no fear. I am confident that God will save me. He slept in the corner with his 9mm because he had hypervigilance. That's what the psychiatrists call it intensely aware of every sound, every moment. But I tell all Christians, develop a thankful heart. Learn how to give God praise and thanks for what you have. And disregard that which you don't. And how do you do that? You pray. You pray always. You pray when you don't feel like it, because that's when you should pray most, when you don't feel like it. The times when you feel least like praying is when you need to pray most. And what should you pray? Pray what St. Paul prayed. Pray this for everyone you know, including yourself. Slide four, please. I love it when my wife chooses a scripture that I haven't told her about for her uh, reading. Colossians 1, 9 through 14. 
So ever since we first heard about you, we kept on praying and asking God to help you understand what He wants you to do. Asking Him to make you wise about spiritual things. And asking that the way you live will always please the Lord and honor Him. So that you will always be doing good, kind things for others. While all the time you are learning to know God better and better. Slide five, please. Continuing in verse 11, we are praying also that you will be filled with His mighty glorious strength so that you can keep on going no matter what happens. Always full of the joy of the Lord and always thankful to the Father who has made us fit to share all the wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us out of the darkness and the gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of His dear Son who bought our freedom with His blood and forgave us all our sins. Do you know where St. Paul was when he wrote this? He was in prison. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. At the time Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians and the Colossians, he was probably under house arrest, but chained to Roman guards. Paul was waiting to appear before Nero to appeal his conviction, but he knew that Caesar could deny his appeal at any time and that he would be beheaded that same day. Still, he began to write the letters we know as Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, the prison epistles. By the time Paul writes what would be his last letter to Timothy, he has been moved to Marmartine Prison. Marmartine was reserved for those on death row. And Paul is no longer chained to guards, but kept in a dungeon which is only accessible by descending a manhole cover at the top of this dungeon and lowered down by a rope. But even when Paul was under house arrest, he knew that he could face death any day. Still, his heart was filled with thanksgiving. Slide six. Philippians 1, 3 through 6. All my prayers for you are full of praise in God. When I pray for you, my heart is full of joy because of all the wonderful help in making known the good news about Christ. I'm sorry. I thank you for your help in making known the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am sure that God who began this good work within you will keep right on doing it and help you grow in grace until His task within you is finally finished on that day when Christ shall return. 
If you find yourself in a prison of doubt and despair, follow St. Paul's example. Start passing out thank yous. In the King James Version of this verse, it says, I thank God for your fellowship. Your fellowship in the gospel. That word in the Greek is koinonia. And it means sharing by way of community. Joint participation, which is the proof of true fellowship. I thank God for your wonderful fellowship. In other words, we need to do the same. We need to thank each other in this congregation for the fellowship, for the friendship, for the support to tell each other what a joy it is to have a congregation of fellow, fellow followers of Jesus Christ. We should be able to look each other in the eye and say it's a J-O-Y joy to fellowship with you in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there are times in our faith when we must face our fears and commit to the path the Lord has laid out before us. Paul knows he's about to pass his torch to those he has fathered in the faith. Not just Timothy, but entire congregations. And how does he pray for these people? If you love someone, this is how you pray for them. Slide 7. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. My prayer for you is that you will overflow more and more with love for others. And at the same time, keep on growing in spiritual knowledge and insight. For I want you always to see clearly the difference between right and wrong and to be inwardly clean, no one being able to criticize you from now until the time the Lord returns. May you always be doing those good, kind things that show you are a child of God, for this will bring much praise and glory to the Lord. Our love for each other and indeed everyone we know should be a crescendo until the day of Jesus Christ. So keep growing your roots down deep into the Word. Keep growing the fruit of the Spirit in your life to the glory of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Remind us why we're here. Remind us why you saved us by your grace. And that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. To let everyone we know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is healing in his word. Make us little keepers of the promise. The promise of the Holy Scriptures. Keepers of Isaiah 61. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to share the good news of Jesus Christ. This is our mission. This is why you have preserved our lives while we're still living and breathing this morning. Remind us every day, Father. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings to you all. Blessed Redeemer
Go in peace.